Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. Jack Fitzpatrick here. Now that we're having videos, you can see that he's grown in a little beard as well, which I think may be a copycat thing. I don't know if that's a little inspiration no. from disgusting growth. <laughs> so there was a point when I came down to um, Virginia to visit my mom a while back, I just let it all just like come in. Mm-hmm. And by come in, I mean like this, but it just was a month of growth instead. Right. Um, and then when I came back, um, I stayed down there a week. Um, and then when I came back up here to Jersey, to Hoboken, um, Izzy, my girlfriend, wasn't the biggest fan of it. So I did, I didn't, cl- I haven't clean shaved at all during quarantine. Um, just cause I don't like my face when it's clean shaved and I look like 10 years younger. So I take my electric razor and just leave it to the stubble. Um, so I did that and now this is about probably two weeks since I've done anything. I'll shape up the neck beard a little bit to make this look better, but uh, this will probably be coming off in a week. And then we'll just gonna, we're just gonna keep redoing this really. Um, probably until I get a haircut, which I'm probably not gonna get a haircut for a while. I haven't had my haircut since February. Wow, wow. <laughs> well, now we've got the hair update. <laughs> that's, that's important. I wanna make sure we hit that. I'm gonna try to scream today because my laptop, I need to get a mic, man. I was listening to the JMU Sports Blog podcast. They just got mics. Like if they have mics, you've got a mic. <laughs> you need a mic. I, I got this one. This actually, I didn't buy this one at all. Um, Izzy had this. Ooh. Izzy had it laying around and she never used it. And so one day I saw it and I was like, hey, instead of using that as decor in our bedroom, can I use that for the podcast? I don't know if it changes anything very much. Um, I might get one. I might get one for my audio quality. So stay that, tuned, folks. But it's also better because for the video quality, your video like lighting is so much better than mine. That like, right. so I was getting uh, one of them. I think the last one I was kind of backlit. So I've yeah, you, it. you so were I'm, a little back. See, I I have this. So when I turn on my, I like how we're really diving into this before everything. <laughs> When I turn on my overhead light, it like drowns me out, like from the top down. But if I only have those two lights and I have string lights under my desk, it's just like I'm sitting in darkness. Right. So I have Fitz's Fixins, which is like my food blog, Um, plug, plug, plug. Um, (laughs) But a while back, I I got like this starter, like photography kit for iPhones that comes with like a ring light and like a mount and everything and a tripod. So I take my ring light from the kitchen when it's podcast day, put it at the desk and set it all up so that I at least have, so at least people can somewhat see my face and my facial hair because that's all that matters in this podcast. Exactly. And I think that was a really valuable five or so minutes for the people listening exclusively without the video. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think they will love that, <laughs> that conversation, but they have no idea what's going on. Okay, do you want to jump into this one? Let's jump in because we claim this is like a lightning podcast. So yeah, okay. So here we go. We do. We're gonna preface. We have a special guest on for this episode. It's gonna be great stuff. But we're gonna start things off. We know it's the. We know everyone's coming back in football except for the FCS. I mean, there's a couple random ones that are playing. When the news first broke that the CAA wasn't playing in the fall, there was a lot of discussion. JMU's going to play Alabama. JMU's going to get Tech, ODU, and UVA. It turns out ODU's not playing. But JMU fans had these grandiose ideas of this this fantastic fall schedule because JMU was like, we're going to try and play. Um, It came out that, like, they couldn't find anyone, but they tried their darndest. And some people were like, did you really? A lot of question marks. But for this first question, starting things off, what would have been your dream fall schedule for JMU if they could have figured something out? Yeah, so I think you would have had some regional conference opponents, even if they weren't doing conference, maybe like an Elon, something like that. But I think for me, as like a fan, I think people that are older than me would probably really like Appalachian State. I think I would like that one too, but they've got like that emotional connection. Like we don't really, we don't really have that, right? Because like, App State was already FBS when when I came to college. I mean, you're only a year older than me, but I think they were FBS when you went to JMU too. But yeah, apparently there were storied games between the two of them. Right, because they were that elite FCS program. They beat Michigan the one year where they were still in the FCS. That would have been sweet, I think, to experience that rivalry, and we haven't. So I think you're looking at Virginia or Virginia Tech, whichever team is worse, I think, as a JMU fan, right? Because you want that win, which this year is, is pretty clearly UVA, at least through four weeks. Um, so that would be the team that I think in hindsight would have made sense. And also ODU is like a beatable team every year. I but ODU is not even playing, so. Right. But if they had happened to play in my in my fictional hypothetical dream world. Yeah, okay. I think ODU. And then if you could like, I don't know, if we're talking real dream with like the virus is like existing, but the protocols aren't, then you're looking at like North Dakota State and stuff like that. But what about you? So I like the App State one. I like that one a lot. I'd want both UVA and Virginia Tech. Just just why not both? I mean, we'd, we'd probably get crushed by one of those and we'd probably win the other one. You can assume which ones I'm talking about. Um, Marshall, I think, would be a lot of fun. There's no connection there, but they're a good team this season. Um, I just And proximity-wise, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, I had another one. I, I forgot it. Be in North Dakota State, I'd love UMass FBS powerhouse. Who was it? I just had the. the it was on the when you were talking about playing UVA in Tech. I was like, this is App State, West Virginia. Oh, duh, Liberty. I'd love to play Liberty. Liberty this year, man. That's a playoff team. You don't want to run into them. <laughs> I think Syracuse five and zero. They're rolling. Uh, but uh, I'd love to play Liberty. I just think that'd be a great game. Um, and then, then there's some connect. I mean, no connection there because I wasn't there the year we lost to them in the playoffs. You were there. Unfortunately, you were there. So there's some of that emotional connection with Liberty. So the dream schedule would be Liberty, App State, Marshall, Virginia Tech, UVA, and North Dakota State. And then throw in a couple like regionalized like cupcakes. And I think that'd be a really fun schedule. It would have been a really fun schedule. But – Alas, it did not happen. Yeah, instead, they're playing in the spring. We'll get into some things happening in the spring later on. But me and Bennett really aren't the um, quote-unquote experts of how scheduling works. We just react to the schedule once it comes out. So, yeah, he laughs and smiles very vigorously at that. Love a good reaction to a JMU schedule without putting in any work to find out who they are playing. Except when we complain, why aren't we playing this team? Why is it all these cupcakes? And then meanwhile, we're like, no idea how it works. So, um we brought in someone actually for the podcast who knows what he's talking about when it comes to fall scheduling and scheduling stuff just all over the board. We brought in publisher of the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown, who wrote about who got the emails that JMU had sent out to see who we who they actually tried to schedule. So Bennett sat down with him and kind of talked out a fall schedule with him and just kind of put it all together and some CAA ramifications with it. Is, is that about what you guys talked about? That is correct, yes. Oh, perfect. Okay, so take it away, Bennett. I'd like to welcome in now Matt Brown, the publisher of Extra Points. 
which is a newsletter that I certainly love. I've subscribed to and I'm now a paying subscriber. They got me in. You got me with the uh, the CAA realignment article. You hooked me. Uh, <laughs> love to see it. <laughs> couldn't miss out on that. So thank you for taking the time. It's, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to do it. And then for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with Extra Points, would you mind explaining what that is and sort of what you've launched here recently? Sure. Extra Points has been running now for about a year and a half. It is a newsletter that looks to really dig into all of the off the field forces that shape what we see on the field in college sports. You know, primarily college football, but increasingly entire athletic departments. So there's lots of stories here about media rights negotiations, about name, image, and likeness legislation, about conference realignment, and about some of the financial and political choices that universities have to make. And you know, particularly at the FCS level, but I think across all of Division One those kind of decisions and how athletic directors and presidents and state houses and all these other forces link together, that goes a long way in showing what, what football teams or what athletic programs are, are going to be successful or not. And that's what I want to talk about. For sure. And I don't know, it's something I've really enjoyed. I think as a JMU fan, you don't really get much like widespread FCS coverage, uh, especially the way you do it, where you've got that, that detailed analysis of what athletic departments are doing, which is, is really interesting. So I wanted to dive into your, your latest newsletter you talked about JMU specifically and, and how the football team tried to schedule a lot of a lot of emails over the summer to try to get some teams and and how that would all work. What did you find there that, that could be of interest to JMU fans? And then more specifically, or, or maybe more broadly, I guess, how hard is it to schedule uh, as an FCS team the way that JMU was sort of in this position this fall where they were a CAA member trying to pursue an independent fall schedule? Yeah, they, they were in a really tough spot for a couple of weeks because, you know, the Colonial Athletic Association that, you know, I think it says mid-July, they say we're not going to have uh, a conference fall season. But, you know, as I wrote about a little bit earlier, that was far from a unanimous, unified decision. And then you have a school like JMU, and they weren't alone in the league, that says, look, we're built to compete for a national title. And as of right now, there's still a national title to be won, and we think we can safely compete for it, so we want to do it. But they're in this difficult spot here because in mid-July, basically very few FCS programs knew for sure they, if they were going to be playing or not, what their leagues were going to allow, what their what their local governments were going to allow, and what their what financially uh, they could have done. And even a program like JMU, which I think is one of the most financially resourced uh, FCS programs, they're still under some constraints. So when you look at all of the programs that they're reaching out to, they're not reaching out to anybody out west. I think only one team you know, west of like Kentucky uh, was was on the list. And that was uh, Stephen F. Austin, who reached out proactively to them. So you're, you're thinking, OK, I want to be able to play as many games as possible, um, but I don't have the money to go slip off across the country. And, and in fact, there's there's a conversation where they're haggling over just you know tens of thousands of dollars with Charleston trying to figure out a game. But all my regional opponents, they're not really sure if they're playing yet either. You know, so on one hand, I think if you're a JMU fan, you have to think, hey, I, I should feel good that my athletic department took this seriously enough to reach out to everybody, including schools that they didn't have a very strong relationship with. It might have meant that they, would, they were willing to do some things that they wouldn't be willing to do under regular circumstances, like play on the road at Merrimack or play on the road at, at, at St. Francis or, or some of these NEC schools that would normally be the teams that come to, to their school in the beginning of the season to lose by 50 points. You know, here, they're desperate enough. Yeah, we'll, we'll take road games. Reached out to a bunch of FBS opponents. Nothing came of it. You know, eventually the, the FCS moved the championship. But if you look, if you're a, a super nerd, and you're and I say that with love, and you're trying to kind of project what might some future out-of-conference opponents be, I wouldn't be shocked if some relationships come out of some of these emails that were sent in this batch. Yeah, I think JMU fans would certainly be be happy to hear that. And I was curious, too, with the Colonial Athletic Association, because you dove into them a little bit earlier this summer as well. And I was just kind of fascinated with that league. How do you sort of see maybe the the pandemic impacting the league in terms of potential realignment or things like that? Because obviously you've got the football members, the basketball members, and then a little bit of overlap, but, but not that much. Yeah, I, I, I look at this as a... One of the most fascinating storylines, I think, in the FCS for the next year or two, because to me, I think this is indisputably a very good football league, top to bottom. But, you know, as I wrote earlier, there's not really a whole lot of unifying institutional fits. You've got 
Big schools, small schools, public schools, private schools, northern schools, southern schools, and schools like JMU that are unquestionably football schools, and schools that are hockey schools, or baseball schools, or basketball schools. And I think this particular discussion about whether we should have a football season or not made it very clear that these institutions are not universally aligned on a lot of things. And some of that, I think, is due to interpersonal conflict. A lot of these ADs just don't like each other. Some of these presidents just don't like each other. We, we just saw at William and Mary that you know some of these schools don't have their own institutional houses in order, and that makes it hard to negotiate and, and work together in good faith to build some kind of policy. So you know, from, from what I'm hearing, you know, this this it's not it's not really a straw that breaks the camel's back situation so much as like a two by four or like just a really big piece of wood that might change things. This league might decide to expand and move into divisions and stay together for a while. It could split up because everybody, including potentially JMU, I think would have other options if they wanted to, both primarily at the FCS level, maybe for a few schools somewhere else in the next couple of years if they decided they wanted to pursue a different arrangement. Yeah, going off of that, I know you quoted at one point Kurt Signetti, JMU's head football coach, had mentioned uh, that sometimes the lower teams in the conference sort of hold everyone back. I think that was in regards to not having a conference championship game specifically. When you look at JMU and you look at the relationships between uh, the Dukes and that athletic department, maybe another people in the league, do you think JMU is a, a prime candidate to potentially move somewhere? And I guess what should JMU fans look for to see if, if there is, as you mentioned, sort of more things that, that lead to change? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, even though I think they're far and away the most successful football program in that league, I'm, I'm not sure they're necessarily the one that has the most realignment options. And, and that's just because if you're JMU football, you have to think what's what, what will be better than the situation I have right now. You know, given the fact that you have a local television media contract, um, is your financial situation really improved by going to the Sun Belt? Who I think would take you. Probably not. And I think a lot of, you know, you would know better than that would, but I think a lot of JMU fans would say it's more rewarding to potentially win a national title than go to the Cure Bowl <laughs> against, against Liberty. If we want to move up, we want to do it in a, in, a, in a more sustainable way. We want to go to the American. And that I don't think is necessarily on the table. But if you are Elon or if you are Richmond or if you are maybe a Southern you know, school at a different financial level, could you go to the A-Sun if you wanted to? Yeah, they take you tomorrow. Uh, could you go to the Big South if you wanted to? Yeah, I think they, they would take you tomorrow and you could join a league with Kennesaw and, and try to, to create some kind of you know Southern thing. If you were a New England school and you wanted to see if the American East would start an FCS football league, yeah, I, I, I think that's an, a potential opportunity there. There's 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 other you know options, I think, for some of these other schools. If JMU wanted to start their own thing at the FCS level, well, I'm sure that there would be interest, but I'm not necessarily sure if that would be a better situation for them than what they have right now. Right now, other than maybe occasionally having to take a road trip to Maine, it doesn't seem so bad, unless you're willing to dramatically increase your investment. Gotcha. And then you mentioned that JMU in your article, obviously tried really hard to get the fall schedule, didn't work, but they're hoping to still play games in the spring. Towson just opted out of, of a spring season. When you see that at the, the CAA level, I mean, how realistic, I guess, in your opinion, do you think spring football is and I guess is that for JMU fans is should they take away a silver lining maybe that they still build some relationships for future falls and, and anything this spring is, is kind of a bonus I, I mean I definitely think that there's there's reason to be optimistic that um, you'd be able to build some relationships that will give you some flexibility for your 2030 you know your 2023 24 25 schedules including maybe potentially some FBS games um, in the future, if you guys desperately want to go play Temple, you know, maybe that's something that happens. Or if you want to go play Virginia, maybe that's something that happens in the future. Um, for, for spring, it's tricky. And I, I, to be totally honest with you, I think a lot of that depends on things that are outside of anyone's control at the FCS level, because so much of this depends on COVID. Um, by February, March, is it possible we have some kind of uh, improved treatment opportunity available? Yeah, that is possible. Um, is it likely? That's above my pay grade. But if we see levels of community spread that are where they are right now, then it's like, well, this isn't actually safer for medically. And then it also puts our players at risk because then we're still scheduled to play another season down the road. And for many of these schools in the Colonial, less so JMU, but some of these other ones, um, they'd actually save money by not playing. Um, and, and, and I think you're already seeing that with a couple of other schools here at the FCS level. I would not be shocked if, you know, in a month goes by, the Pioneer League or the Patriot League decide it's not worth it. Because they don't, they don't, they don't need to play. Um, 
and 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 then we we we'd be in a similar situation. So I mean, like we're gonna try to play in the spring. Uh, I I hope it happens as somebody who enjoys this level of football. But I, I think probably the the biggest takeaway from from this email batch is what might happen in the future. Gotcha. Awesome. And you mentioned your pay grade. So last thing, how can fans subscribe to your newsletter, and where can they find you on Twitter and all that good stuff? You bet. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Brown EP. You could get subscribed to Extra Points for free by going to extrapoints.substack.com by going for free. You get two emails a week. Um, you can be a paid subscriber. That's seven bucks a month or 70 bucks a year. Uh, that's my whole livelihood <laughs> at this point. Um, so it'd be very, it's very much appreciated. There you get four as well as access to a chat room where we hang out and talk open records and sports business and sports finance and higher education policy and sometimes play board games together um, and, and do other community oriented events. So I, I can't promise that every single one of these newsletters is going to be about the Colonial Athletic. I, I can tell you uh, later this week, I'm writing about a school, a division three school in Oregon and I'm probably going to be writing about the Big Ten later this month. But if there's something interesting, um, you know, at the higher ed or financial level of FCS, um, I I want to be a part of it. And you'll find some of that on Extra Points. Awesome. Yeah, I'm certainly a big supporter. I love it. And thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thank you so much to Matt Brown, publisher of the Extra Points newsletter that you can subscribe to at extrapoints.substack.com to get all of his great stuff that he's putting out. He covers FCS Group of Five, kind of the lower tier um, football things that me and Bennett really appreciate. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably appreciate too. So check out Matt Brown over there at extrapoints.substack.com. Okay, do you want to move on to the next round of questions? Let us do it. Am I first or are you first? How are we doing this this week? I asked that first question, that extra points question, so. All right, so I guess it's me then. Let's see, what do I want to start with? I'll start with Clemson. All right, Clemson, decent football team, right? They're doing some things well. Number one in the country. Two Heisman candidates in the backfield, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. You think Etienne's a Heisman? Better be a Heisman candidate. Heck yeah. I would say he's like top five right now um, of the players who have played. Give me Sam Ellinger. No. <laughs> no, I, I heard somebody talking the other day that the Jets should try to get Lawrence. Um, I think they're the team with two first round picks. I could be wrong. Um, and then ETN like late in the first round and just pair them together. I was like, that'd be sweet. No, because you know how much running backs matter? Zero. Look at Clyde Edwards. Okay, I won't get into running backs. Running he, he was killing it. Who'd they play last? The Chiefs. I know they have Le'Veon Bell coming, but he was the Bills. He ran for like over 100, I think. It was great. Okay. It was electric. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think they should pair them together. Uh, but my question, my question. They are playing Syracuse, which gave up, I think it was close to 350. I think it's 338, if we're being exact. Rushing, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about Syracuse. <laughs> rushing yards to Liberty. Clemson is a 46, I've got it written down, 46-point favorite. Am I wrong to think that that is the lock of the century? Yes. You Like, of them covering the 46. Yeah, they're not. I You're talking to someone who, like, when they see a spread of, like, more than 30, no matter the sport, I'm always like, huh! like, that's a lot of points. 73-7 to seven last week against Georgia Tech. Syracuse coming off a 17-point home loss to Liberty. I mean, it probably, I mean, it, we should bring Chase Kitty on. I mean, he's he's the better sports better of the probably the three of us, honestly. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, because Bennett thought Navy to open up the season after not having any practices all offseason was the lock of the season. I didn't know the practice back. Um, My defense. I don't know. That's just such 46, you said? 46. I think only Syracuse only is seven touchdowns. They only need seven touchdowns. Only seven touchdowns. I mean, that, see, what worries me with those games is because I know Clemson's going to win big, but it's a question of when do they pull the starters and how well do the backups then play? Am I wrong in that thinking? Do we think the Clemson backups are worse than Liberty? No. Liberty beat them by 17. Their quarterbacks after the season, Danny DeVito, as we talked about. <laughs> so uh, I love it, man. I love Clemson minus 46. Okay, I'll bet you five bucks they don't cover. Yes, deal deal all right it's on the podcast perfect moving on to the next question we're sticking with the clemson stuff right now 
as a Lions fan, you can be, you can be as a Lions fan or you can be as an NFL fan. What do you give up right now to draft Trevor Lawrence? Gonna see if I can find my NFL hat, but I don't know where it is. Uh. <laughs> I forgot you bought just the Rob Lowe football. I hope everyone has a good game here tonight. I zoned out because I was looking for my hat. What was your question? Oh, uh, we're sticking with Clemson. Trevor Lawrence, what do you give up right now to draft him? What do you give up? Yeah. It's assuming you're not the Jets and you're not the number one pick. What do you give up to be that number one pick and and lock in Trevor Lawrence for your team? I guess it depends on what your team is. Like the Lions, I hope we give up nothing because I think Stafford's decent and I think they could build around him or they could wait for a guy later. You're talking about a Fields or a Lance or in your case, an Ellinger. In your case, a Howell. Well, he's a sophomore, so you have to wait a year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the way he's going to develop next year, yeah, I would like that. I don't, I don't know. I think if you're a top 10 team and you're like sold on him more than you are, I think there's a gap, in my opinion, between – um, Lawrence and then Fields Lance like I think there's a, a sizable gap like I would feel way more comfortable with Trevor Lawrence than I would with um, Fields or Lance well, like, yeah. I don't think there's any Lawrence is a bust yeah like people are saying he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck and I don't disagree with that and I think then that drop off to Justin Fields to Trey Lance I think Justin Fields and Trey Lance are a lot closer than yeah than a lot of people think like I think if you're taking them I think it could easily go Lawrence, Lance, Fields, or it could go Lawrence, Fields, Lance. There we go. Um, But I do think it's Lawrence, number one, no doubt. And there's a size – like, I if I'm in the top ten and Lawrence goes one, I'm not looking at a quarterback. Yeah. But I I give up a lot. I would give up – I would pull an art – for the Seahawks, as a Seahawks fan, don't give up anything. You have the best QB in the league. but if I'm just in the top 10, in the top 15 of a team, and I need a QB, I'm pulling an RG3 trade and mortgaging my future for that number one pick. Although, whoever has it, they're going to need to mortgage a whole lot. I don't think there's any chance they give that up. No. Wouldn't it be crazy if, like, the Vikings or the Texans got the number one pick? I was listening to ESPN Daily, and they were kind of talking about – maybe it was the ringer – they were talking about stuff like that of like how there's a couple teams that are really in the mix for that number one pick who have their QBs like the Texans with Deshaun Watson. They just signed with that huge deal. Kirk Cousins, they gave him that fully guaranteed contract a couple years back and they still have a lot of money tied up in him. Like it's interesting that some of these, I know the Jets are far and away like the number one, but like even the Giants who just drafted Daniel Jones, do you stop, do you scrap the Daniel Jones project and give up? It's also crazy because, like, if I'm the Jets, I'm trading Sam Darnold right now. Like, get him to some random team. Get get a third and a fifth round. Like, you don't even – I'm just trying to get him out of the building at this point. Yeah, I kind of like that as well. I think I'd get rid of him, try to just complete the tank, get Trevor Lawrence and rebuild. They also need to get rid of um, Adam Gase. He's awful. What but, do you mean? He's the best coach on this side of the Mississippi. What? His eyes are horrifying. He's got Danny Rocco level eyes, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Next level. No, but it's a lot. I think that – because I think teams are definitely going to draft. Like, I think Fields and Lance both go top ten, even though I don't know if they're necessarily, like, quite locks. So, I think yeah. – but teams are still going to take them, I think, right? Because it's like that's – once you get to the draft, all these teams are like, quarterback, and they just go out and they, they jump. So, it's going to be – because I would like definitely scrapping cousins and then if I'm the Giants I'm definitely scrapping Jim. yeah um you broke up a little bit there but we're just going to power through um your next question <laughs> my next question is do you think Michigan could be real this year meaning like top 10 they're playing at Minnesota week one the big 10 is back I don't know they've been ghosts at Minnesota the last couple years I think they might be real this year. Who's their quarterback? I was joking. I was making a joke because you said they might be real, and I was saying, like, they're ghosts. Like, they've just been apparition. Appar- appar- oh, you, you're not buying What was that? Sorry. You're not, you're, not buying, you're not buying into Harbaugh. I don't think there's anything to be in 
No, I don't think Michigan's going to be good this year, to keep it short and simple. That's disappointing. That's disappointing to hear. Well, I, yeah, and I just don't buy into the Harbaugh hype. I don't. Every year it seems like Michigan's going to have their year, and then they always lose to Ohio State. They always lose to a random team. Like, I don't know. I, Michigan's just not pulling the top recruits that other teams are pulling, or even Ohio State's pulling within the Big Ten. Um, so I think Michigan is a solid Big Ten program. I don't. I think they're a New Year's Six bowl. I don't think they're going to be real contenders, and I think Ohio State will get the college football playoff spot that I assume the Big Ten will only have one of. Yeah, I mean, you got to have a quarterback, and I, I don't even know who Michigan has a quarterback. Like Ohio State, that's why they're a playoff contender, right? They got Fields, and I think that's pretty and much it. And a great coach. And a great coach. Well, Ryan Day's okay. Um, better than Harbaugh. Um, who was Michigan's uh, QB this last, the last couple of years? What was his name? They had a, I think it was a two-year Shea Patterson run, and he was very mediocre for them. But part of it is because, like, he should be in a big-time spread. And they try to stick him under center sometimes, and it just doesn't work because Harbaugh is still kind of old school with that, right? He gets the fullback in there, and you're like, what are you doing, man? Um, I love – I loved what happened to Shea Patterson. Like, I don't wish, like – not a good career on anyone, but it was just, if I remember correctly, he had a really funny like reaction to like going undrafted or something like that. <laughs> oh man. He was working a lot with Patricia at the senior bowl. And I was like, please don't draft this kid. And they didn't. They drafted a running back instead who dropped a wide open um, pass to win. And then he had over hundred yards last week and was a dominant force to get the lions to two and three. Who'd you start at running back? I forgot. Peterson scored a touchdown too, man. We we're a five-headed monster in the backfield. <laughs> I lost in fantasy by – people care about this. I lost in fantasy by two points, and I was – it's like a I, – I don't even know how much I win. Like, if I win the league, it's probably sub 200 bucks, but I'm still like – I get furious. But tell the listening audience, because I know they care so much, who you had playing on Monday night? I had. Am I am I back now? Did I come back? I was choppy. Yeah, you're back now. Did you hear my question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had so I had Murray and Hopkins, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins had his worst game of the year. It wasn't even close, but he almost had like an 80 yard touchdown or 70 yard touchdown to to win it for me. And he gets tracked down, not even tracked down. He had the guy beat, and he, like, somehow the corner ended up, after playing horribly for 40 yards, makes a play at his ankle. And I'm down two. Kyler Murray's got Larry Fitzgerald uncovered in the end zone, a passing touchdown for those not familiar four points. He hits the wide open man. We're good. We're golden. We get out. We win. He overthrows him by, like, eight yards, man. He doesn't even jump it so far over his head on third down. They kick a field goal. Just disgusting. <sighs> Meanwhile, I had Derrick Henry racking up uh, 40 points for me. Jack's in a five-team league, so he's got uh, <laughs> four best running backs in the league. <laughs> I'm in a 14-team league. You got a stacked roster, though. I don't know. What And, and I the, the sad thing is I'm finally now finding my complete – this is a complete fantasy football side tangent. Yeah. Um, but if you need any fantasy advice, tweet at us, Jamie Sports News, and we will tell you to start Ben DiNucci. Um, no, this whole season, like all of my role players, my role players, my non QBs have been playing really well. But then for the first like four weeks of the season, it was Kirk. I was rotating between Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz, who were getting me like two points, minus one point, like not great. And, and so like I was finishing games with like, I'm also in a non PPR league. So like scores are a little lower. But I was like finishing with like 85 points, 90 points. And I was playing teams that were finishing with like 95 and 100 points because their quarterback would go off for like 20. And like there was just nothing I can do. But now finally I have um, Fitzpatrick who just got benched. So now it doesn't even matter. But the plus side of it all, I picked up Herbert off of waivers and Herbert's been balling out and he just had his bye. And Fitzpatrick just finished a 27 point performance. And now I have Herbert for the rest of the way. So I think I'm good except Miles Sanders is out. So I have to start the Chargers backup running back. I think his name's Josh Jackson. Oh, you've got, that's, you know what's frustrating? 
I drafted Josh Kelly, and we need to stop this at some point, but I drafted Josh <laughs> Kelly, the backup for Eckler, and he was, like, doing pretty well, started really strong, had a ton of touches, and he faded to the point where Jackson, Justin Jackson, is now the main backup, and Eckler got hurt, and I'm sitting there with Josh Kelly, who's still now a backup. After the starter, I was, oh, my God, I thought I had done this incredible thing. <laughs> I really did. I also have um, the last, last thing to do, and then we're going to move on, I promise. Um, I also have Lev Bell, who I'm holding Ooh. on my bench because I fingers crossed that KC is going to use him very well. Um, so, yeah. So, next question. Is Stetson Bennett the right quarterback for Georgia? They played really good defense and gave up 41 points. Like, they weren't that bad. Alabama's offense this year is unbelievable, and I think – Saban doesn't I don't know how much credit he really deserves but like defensively I think they always had that reputation right of like they're this defensive juggernaut like the last few years they've just been offensively they've been great uh, the defense is like solid but this year it's not that good they're an offensive juggernaut not Georgia I don't know if he's the answer like I don't think he's in a, he's like a game manager and needs the defense to play well so if you give up 41 or whatever they gave up you're probably not gonna win much I agree. I think, yeah, that defense is so good. I also think, though, that, like, he's not that great of a quarterback. Um, and I think they'd be better off starting, like, JT J- – oh, man. They'd be starting, like, JT Daniels because, like, he wouldn't be – JT Daniels wouldn't be any worse than Setson Bennett, and he might be better. Is he eligible now? JT Daniels? Yeah, the little thing, I think, at the beginning. He was injured. I thought he also had a transfer. They just let him go right away. Why did they keep rolling with Bennett? Is it just like they trust him because he's got reps? I think I, I think it was he just kind of a thing of Kirby Smart was like he earned the start by playing so well. Um, so we're not going to start our two other guys who that we thought were going to be really good. It's kind of weird. Um, I think JT Daniels might just not be impressing in practice, and Stetson is. The mailman. All right, next question. Yeah, I think we got to talk about Danucci. That'll be my JMU question. Got to ask about your your thoughts on him playing. What would be a successful season for him? Because I saw some JMU fans who were like, look, like if Dallas wants to get this done, they're going to need to turn to the seventh rounder from, from James Madison. And if they don't, kiss this bad division goodbye. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? We talked extensively that night when he got put in. I think it was a bummer that he didn't get a pass attempt. Like, that's kind of messed up. He should be fired for that exclusively. Um, McCarthy's a terrible coach. I think right now starting to – what was that? He's such a bad coach. Yeah. Like, he's terrible. Remember when he, like, almost ruined Aaron Rodgers' career, like, single-handedly? You remember when he lied about studying like every play the Cowboys ran last year, and then they got to the opening press conference. He was like, "Oh, sometimes you just say stuff to get the job." <laughs> I don't remember. I didn't know he did that. I'll send you the video, man. It is special. Um, who was I saying? Oh, I think the kid, as bad as the NFC East is, I was listening to Good Morning Football this morning, and like they said, five wins might win the NFC East, and like that's not an understatement. Um, so I think, no, they're saying the Eagles could win it with another four wins and a tie. Like they could finish the season five, 10 and two, five, nine and two or something like that. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Tell me about Newt. Tell me, are you, what do you think are the The Cowboys still have a chance at winning the NFC East. So it would be stupid of them to put Ben DiNucci in right now. He's not better than Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's a bad quarterback and he's been on the downward part of his career for the last five years. But Danucci right now is no better than Dalton and Dalton gives you a better chance to win. The problem on Monday night wasn't Andy Dalton's terribleness. It was Ezekiel Elliott's fumble problems early on in the game that put the Cowboys in the hole. You can't expect Dalton to go out there and throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns to bring you back into a game. He's going to make mistakes. So Ezekiel Elliott's fumble problems at the very beginning of the game is what caused that game to unravel so quickly. Ben DiNucci, though, if this season keeps going down, very well could start a game later on in the season once it's all over just to see what they have. Um, But I also wouldn't be surprised if Garrett Gilbert somehow beats him out and DiNucci becomes QB number three again. 
Um, I hope Danucci like proves me wrong and goes out and balls out, but there's no realistic possibility. He starts this week. There's no realistic possibility. He starts in two weeks. He might get some garbage time reps if they get blown out again. Um, I mean, it was awesome to see a former JMU quarterback in there, but to think he's going to turn around the Cowboys season and like put, make push them to the playoffs is kind of foolish. I mean, don't get me wrong. It can happen. Like we've seen crazier things, but like to, honestly believe like that's what you saw out of him on Monday night and you saw out of the Cowboys team is like not smart if he started by I'm keep going on on this if he starts behind that Cowboys offensive line he's going to get broken into <laughs> yeah I mean I don't think it's uh it would not be ideal if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan to have Ben DiNucci starting and I know some someone made a joke about it on like one of the pregame shows or something like a fantasy thing CBS Sports uh, Network tops that other pregame show from 8 a.m. <laughs> to noon every Sunday. All right. <laughs> but they they made that joke. I saw some people being like, huh. Well, I think we did it jokingly where they're like, huh, sleeping on Ben. But people were like, oh, I can't believe this. And it was like, they don't want, no one wants from a fantasy perspective, you own Amari Cooper and you got a seventh round pick at quarterback instead of Dak. And then instead of Dalton, you're, you're like, like, you'd probably be pretty furious. So I think it's a fair, right? It's the pros now. It's not, it's not college anymore is going to be critiqued I think for him like an ideal scenario is like staying the backup the whole year and I think that's kind of easier said than done because they've made so did they sign Gilbert yeah he's practice squad okay because they made a run at the end of practice squad quarterback and they offered him some stuff and the Lions had to match it and bring their active roster to, to keep him so like I don't want to say their trust in Ben DiNucci is like massive like they're definitely bringing in guys one for depth but two because like they haven't seen Ben Nucci's never thrown an NFL pass even in a preseason game because they didn't have a preseason so like I don't I don't think there's a ton of trust there but if he can stay the backup the whole year maybe get some reps maybe throw a pass and then like have a chance to build a career some potential backup for multiple years and keep bringing in paychecks hell yeah if he goes out and balls like well then I guess I'm wrong but I think he probably makes sense it's like try to entrench yourself as a backup and see if you can do that for five to ten years it is crazy that he is one hit away from starting for the Dallas Cowboys. Never, you never root for injuries, Jack. But a non-life-threatening <laughs> Dalton injury, come on, man. Especially on Monday night. I was like, if he just like rolls an ankle and it's like two to three weeks, but he misses this whole game, that would be so much fun. I was... When the Cardinals were getting after him there, like there were a couple hits that I was like, Andy Dalton, I hope you're not hurt, but if you just stay down. <laughs> he, had, he had like one in the end zone where he got twisted and he ended up throwing it away. <laughs> he, his ankle was moving. I was like, well, that's incredible like ankle flexibility. But I, I thought there was a shot that we could see Ben DiNucci going for 300 yards, three touchdowns, uh, another 200 yards on the ground, trick play, maybe gets 150 receiving yards, put him in a kick returner. Uh, <laughs> takes one of those back, makes a field goal or two if need be. He's the kind of guy you can build your franchise around. All right, last question. Towson yeah. dropped out of spring football. Oh. We all know that. How will that impact this CAA season? How will it impact JMU season? Because Towson was theoretically in the South. Yeah, they were. Um, I think it's just another sort of, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, thing that yeah. sort of leads to JMU. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like um, – I don't even know what I was going to say. Straw that breaks the camel's back. I think that Matt Brown and I talked about that. Um, but no, it's like a... Uh, well, do you like, want to rewind and just let's go back a couple couple minutes? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's obviously not good for the conference, I think, because like Towson's a school that you sort of... Well, I think the timing is what's not good. Like in October, like they bailed on the season in October. They didn't even wait till like January or February or something. Um I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked, like, depending on how travel and stuff works, uh, the Northeast teams like Stony Brook and, and Rhode Island and, and Albany, if you maybe lose one of them. Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's a good thing. Like, I think JMU has gotten to a point um, where it doesn't make sense to be in this league anymore just because there's clearly not the same commitment from other institutions to athletics that there is at JMU. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Jamie's in a very different position because they can kind of withstand all of this where like, there's not really much talk around them. Like cutting, I, I don't know if there is internally, but externally there's been no rumors or anything like that of them cutting any of their sports. Whereas William and Mary, I'm pretty sure what they cut their swim team. I think they're going to, they've had some issues where they might bring some of them back. I think Jamie's got to be on the fence of cutting. 
financially. Like even like they, there's been no like with other schools, like you hear the rumors and stuff like that. And there's like I don't know if that's a testament to like JMU not having any leaks or anything like that or or what, or if they're just not really talking about it that much. Like you'd have to think about it. But it's also like JMU's at a point where they have so much money in athletics, and like you said, they're committed to athletics so much that the rest of the CAA like isn't. And is it time to I mean, I think it's been time to move on for a while, but it's a question of fit. Like, you don't want to go – CUSA is a lateral move to me. Yeah. It's not an upward move. Like, the only upward move right now is the AAC. Like, Yeah, and that's something Matt and I touched on a little bit as well, where he sort of said, like, the, the thing that we've always said, the JMU fans, like, is playing in some crappy bowl game the same as competing for a national title, and it's not. And I don't think anyone wants that. I think what you've got to hope if you're a JMU fan is that there's – Honestly, I think the best bet now, and I didn't used to think this, is that the Power Five would break off and JMU would be able to join a league with like an Appalachian State and Old Dominion. Even in basketball and other sports, it would be fun to play those teams. So if you could do something like that, Charlotte maybe, I don't know. Um, regionalize where your travel expenses aren't too high, but you still have football matchups that are relevant and matter. Um, you have find ways to play basketball games that matter. And basketball is easier, though, too, because you can play – uh, closer to like 10 non-conference games or 10 to 12 or something, right? So you could always play BCU, Virginia, Richmond, even if Richmond's not in your league, whatever. So I don't know. I think if you're JMU, you got to kind of get through this period as, as much as you can and then try to try to find something else. And I think that's what excited me so much when we talked about like, should the FCS play in the spring? It wasn't necessarily like playing in the spring that excited me, but it was like the, the talk of like, the power five has its own thing and then group of five and fcs kind of come together and you have that like like as the ncaa really isn't a thing like in theory like all it is it like it, it makes rules but other than that it's like nothing like it has really no power so for the power five to come together and and create their own like ncaa thing and and do something like that i think it'd be fantastic and then have group of five and fcs kind of like figure things out like JMU North Dakota State would definitely go into like that mid-tier like essentially have three tiers of football which is essentially what it is now but they have two type of thing like but there's two yeah yeah because it's I mean it's already like that a little bit right you've got the the power five this year is basically playing conference only football because of the pandemic exactly no one's complaining about that I love it I mean, it's, got, it's fun to watch 10 like every week there's an SEC game and you're like oh Arkansas like is good against SEC competition. Like everyone's been competitive except for Alabama, who is going to run away with everything again. But like, it's fun that everyone's playing against each other. And like, there was that. I think that one non-con game was kind of a tip of the hat to like the lower end schools that needed their payday. Um, but it's so much fun. It's been great, and I think that that's that's maybe the way of the future a little bit. And, like, could you imagine a, conf a a schedule with the Power Five only where it's, like, your two, three non-con games, or like, a Big Ten game, a Big 12, SEC, and then you just play your conference yeah. or whatever, like, whatever that thing is. Right? It's, like, entertaining. It would draw fans, obviously. And I know people had mentioned a lot, like, um, attend attendance issues, uh, but even before the pandemic, obviously, um, <laughs> the attendance these days is embarrassing. <laughs> no, but like before, <laughs> it was already like nobody wanted to watch Alabama beat Troy by eighty-seven. So, like, I think conference helps a little bit, even if it's Arkansas. It's like it's still a better, better matchup. So, I'm a big fan of the conference only. I would love to see JMU in a more regional league or something like that. And I think Towson opting out just does that. But then, from a scheduling perspective. I'm very interested to see because if there's anyone in the league who wants to play their full allotment of games this spring, it's James Madison and Kurt Signetti. So when you lose that regional opponent, I think that they're going whatever, like they don't care how it's going to work. You're going to get me my six conference games. I'm going to play my two out of conference games. I'm playing my eight games and then I'm playing in the postseason. So we'll see. We'll see how they make it work for JMU. I wonder how this impacts with the scheduling. Like if they're kind of just like, well, since the South only has this many games, the North, we're cutting your home and home and we're yeah. going to make a championship. Maybe that'd be fun. Is Delaware, was Delaware technically in the South or were they up in the North? I can't remember. They were technically in the South. Okay. So then Villanova is a fringe game that like, James, you should like, if you're talking about 
still playing someone close. That's like what three hour drive, something like that. Yeah, but then it'd be weird to schedule with their north. Like, would that then be a non-con game? I don't know. They're gonna have to figure out a way to do something. I don't know, but I'm I'm hoping JMU gets its games in because I think the team wants those, and we'll, we'll probably end up playing a a team three times. That would stink. Richmond, give me three Richmond wins in one spring. That'd be kind of fun. That would destroy the morale of all <laughs> Richmond fans. Like, honestly, though, that, that would be some good games if you take it back to the shore. Um, yeah, Laletta. Laletta, Laletta games, like three of those in a season. But the 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 Danucci, whoever Richmond's starting quarterback is now, series. Oh, they had – who was that guy? I don't know. <laughs> Anything else to add? Any uh, last-minute questions? No, I think that's it. Just maybe a last plug, extra points. Matt Brown, thank him for coming on. I thought that was really good. It was good to talk to him because he does all that Freedom of Information Act request stuff and, and gets emails from schools and all that that good stuff. So he is not always, and he mentioned this, not always JMU, not always CA, not always FCS, but there's enough of it that, like, if you're going to subscribe to something and, and you're looking for, like, unique low level because i really like i think we've got some good fcs coverage across the board you've got the local journalists you got the national stuff but i feel like very rarely does it dive into like financials and like how universities are doing and, and things like that um and he does that consistently so worth reading perfect so yeah check out him matt brown publisher of extra points newsletter extrapoints.substack.com go ahead and subscribe him there and while you're subscribing, go ahead and um, give us a like on Facebook, JMU Sports Space News on Facebook. Um, don't type out space. I just meant space bar between sports and news. Give us a follow on Twitter, JMUSportsNews.com. Um, we're on Patreon, but we don't do anything with Patreon. But if you ever wanted to just, like, do that, that's fine. Well, buy us a beer, buy us a beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to buy us tickets to the National Championship in Frisco, buy us tickets to the National Championship in Frisco. Um, yeah, so for Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Have a wonderful rest of your day as Bennett sips his breakfast blend today or Earl Grey. Uh, it's a little green tea right now. Post-lunch, helps with digestion. Can't recommend this enough. I'm actually sponsored by Bigelow as well. Uh, Bigelow Green Tea. Thanks for everything they do for me, uh, for my day, for my family, and just for my goals. And you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.